Good evening. Um, this week's Parsha is Parsha's Vaira. And um, in the fourth Aliyah of Parsha's Vaira, we have the beginning of the stages of the Isis, the Makis, the signs and the Makos which were brought to Paro. In the beginning, it starts with the snake and the stick, which was something which Meshach Rabbeinu had performed before the Zikne Yisrael first, but he does it again here in front of Paro. It's not quite a maka, it doesn't affect the Egyptians in any broad way. But after that, after they've had this you know, preliminary encounter between the Machashvim, between the sorcerers and between Meshach Rabbeinu, so, uh, and you have the first hardening of Paro's heart, The heart of Paro is hard, and he is thus refusing to, uh, to send the people. Go to Paro in the morning. He's going out to the waters. You'll go to greet him, to meet him, by the river. The staff which turned into a snake, you'll take in your hand. love, and you'll say to him, The God of the Ivrim, the God of the Hebrew, sent me to say, Send my people, you haven't listened. In this way, you will know that Hashem, I'm going to hit with the staff that's in my hand at the river that is before me, and the waters will turn to blood. The fish will die. The fish, the river will have a terrible smell. And they'll be unable to drink water from the yar. We have to understand that this first makos, it's really the first two makos, the makos fardeya in a certain sense is that way as well, is a striking at the heart of Mitzrayim. The agricultural role of Mitzrayim, the feature within the geography of Mitzrayim, which is the distinguishing factor of Eretz Mitzrayim, is the Or, is the river, the Nile River. The Nile River defines its plenty. The whole system of irrigation that came in Mitzrayim came from the Or came from the Nile River that would rise up and fill all of the, all of the uh, irrigation ditches of Mitzrayim. When the Torah will describe later, I mean, this is not the Chidush, this is nothing, no, every, everyone is familiar with this. And we know that the Torah points it out. When the Torah describes later in Parshas Ekev the difference between Eretz Mitzrayim and Eretz Yisrael in a passage in Shishi, which we have discussed numerous, numerous times, the land which you are coming to, Eretz Yisrael, is not like the land of Mitzrayim. You will plant your seeds and you will water it with your feet. You will take the water yourself like by a vegetable garden. But the land that you're going to is It's dependent on the rains. The Pesach here contrasts Eretz Mitzrayim and Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Mitzrayim is a land which is irrigated by the river. And Eretz Yisrael is a land which is rained upon from the heavens. And the Pasuk says it in the majestic terms that because it is dependent on the rains of the heavens, and the heavens are from the Shomayim, from the heavens, they're not just deposited in there in that river which stays, 
So it's Eretz Asher Hashem Alekecha Dei so it's a land which HaKadosh Baruch Hu has to involve himself with. The rains are the expression of Hashkacha, of divine involvement in what's going on down here. The eyes of Hashem are upon the earth always. Meireshis Hashanah Adachris Eretz Mitzrayim is a land of the Yoar. The Yoar was the symbol of the power of Mitzrayim, Paro, in order to claim his mastery over Mitzrayim. As the Navi says, he said, The river is mine. The river is mine. I have made it. It's an unusual term, but the river is mine. Paro associated himself with the river. The river was Eloheim. The river was the object of their worship. Chazal make a famous note when they say, Paro dreams, behold, he's standing over the Ar. So the Medrash says in the beginning of Parshas Miketz that there's a fundamental difference between the between the idol worshippers and between the tzaddikim. When Paro looks at his God, the river, he's standing over it. When Yaakov Avinu looks up in his vision of the ladder, and he looks up towards his God, what does it say there? Hashem is standing over it, over him, over the ladder, in order to, in order to, uh, to, to uh, complete the vision of Yaakov Avinu. So, yes, there's a subtlety there too, which Mir Hashem we're going to be coming to discuss a little bit, but the, the vision is Paroi Aimeid al Hayar. Paro stands over the river, the river is yet its powerful source. They have this unusual relationship with their God, but Paro is Omer uh, Ali, is, or the river stands for everything. And here in the beginning of the Makas, the river is what's attacked. The river, instead of being a source of life, the river is bloodied. It can't even sustain, forget sustaining Mitzrayim. It even kills the fish, which are finding the water at, as, their, as their habitat. And there's a tremendous significance to this. Of course, it's symbolic, you would say, here, you're going to go, we're going for the jugular. This is Mamish, the vital artery of Mitzrayim. And it makes sense that that should be played as the first shot. But I would like to try to, to, to see perhaps a little bit more, a little bit more of a depth in this idea of the Ar. Yes, connected to these Psukim and Parshas Ekev, which defined the water source as being a, a definitive piece, but also in the context of how we have to see Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim as a whole. When we got together last week, we talked about how when Moshe Rabbeinu was sent to take the Jewish people out of Mitzrayim, fundamental to the mission of Moshe Rabbeinu was Matan Torah. When Moshe Rabbeinu was given the mission, he was given it where? At Harva Elohim Chorev, at Har Sinai. He's given it with the image of the Sneh, of the burning bush, which as we said is really a symbol of Har Sinai, the fire that comes and would be expected to destroy in its consumption, but doesn't destroy. The bush is not consumed, is not destroyed. The fire of Hashem that comes and grips but does, not, uh, but, does not, but does not destroy. We talked about how the Pasa goes on, and Hashem says explicitly, 
You want to know what's the destination of the Jewish people when they leave Mitzrayim? They're going to worship me. They're going to worship God on this uh, on this uh, on this mountain. So the 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 um, the the connection there further. We talked about you know the name that Hakadosh you know Mashemo, and we learned to there a Ramban's comment last week about that. You know again the intensity of the connection that the name of Hashem, the name of Hashem through which the Torah is given. Moshe Rabbeinu has two outstanding missions which he has in his life for the Bnei Yisrael. Moshe Rabbeinu is the one to redeem the Jewish people from Golos Mitzrayim. He's the one to redeem us from slavery, from the bondage against the Egyptians. He is the one who brings the Nisim, the miracles of the Makos, to bear, to completely, completely destroy Mitzrayim and Mitzrayim's ability to, you know, to, to exercise any control over the, over the Bnei Yisrael. Sorry, excuse me for one second. Um, he's the one who, who stands in the way of, 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 of them exercising any control of the Israel. Well, that's one role of Maish Rabbeinu. That was the one which he was explicitly given at the beginning. Go to Paro and take my Jewish people out of Mitzrayim. But there was another role. And in that role, in truth, we see Maish Rabbeinu much, much more. And that's Maish Rabbeinu as the one who gave the Torah through whom the Torah was given to the Bnei Yisrael. Vayidaber Hashem el Lemar, the most frequently repeated verse in the Torah. Torah tziva lanu Maisha, Maisha kilas Yaakov. Maisha, you know, it would be very convenient to call him Maisha Maishieno. No? Wouldn't that be like cool? Maisha Maishieno? Right? It was like it's the same term. Maisha, who saved us? Who saved us? You know, there's a comment from the Sforna, people uh, note, and it's worthy of note, that he's called Moshe, he was called Moshe because she drew him out of the water. So the Sforna says, seems to say, it doesn't say that he was called drawn, right? We refer to him, you know, in the piyut, Moshui, the one who was drawn out from the water. We refer to him like that in, in Tfilas Geshem. But here, He's called Moshe, which means to draw. And you say, the same way Moshe Rabbeinu was drawn out of the water, so he, now that becomes his life mission, to draw as well others out. Moshe Rabbeinu saves the Jewish people, Moshe Moshe'enu, but nobody ever heard of him being called Moshe Moshe'enu. He's never called Moshe Moshe'enu. He's called Moshe Rabbeinu. After the mission of Moshe Rabbeinu, of the giving of the Torah. And these two missions are found in the last words of Torah's Moshe, the very last words of the Chamisha Chumshei Torah. You know, there are two places in the Torah where the uniqueness of Moshe Rabbeinu is underscored. One of them is in the end of Parshas Bahaloscha. In the end of Parshas Bahaloscha, Miriam and Aaron, as you recall, spoke against Moshe Rabbeinu, saying, why did he leave his wife, whatever it was. And the response comes loud and clear from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that Lechein Avdi Moshe, 
Moshe Rabbeinu is a very different prophet than the other prophets that are there, than you and others. Moshe's prophecy is of a completely unique quality. The entire discussion is about the prophecy of Moshe Rabbeinu. However, if you're going to look at the very end of the Torah, which is the other place where this Ikar Ho'amuna, where this fundamental of our faith, that Moshe Rabbeinu's prophecy is different than anybody else's. Lokombi Yisrael Kemosha Od, right? Which is which is uh, what we say in Yigdal, right? That line, the Yigdal, which uh, which articulates the thirteen principles of faith, and one of them is that there will never be another prophet like Moshe Rabbeinu. So the 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 one who wrote that poem just took the words from the end of the Chumash and moved them around a little bit, where it says like Kam Navi Oid Yisrael Kemosha. Right? In, in Yigdal, for some reason, they turned it around and they said, Leikam Yisrael Kemaisha Oid Navi. Here it says, Leikam Navi Oid Yisrael Kemaisha. The same words just, uh, just, just switched around. Asher Yedoi Hashem Panim El Panim, that Hashem knew him face to face. Right? And uh, we say, Mabit Est Right? Who gazed at his image. And that's actually a phrase back from Parshas Baha Utmunas Hashem Yabit. He gazes at the image of Hashem. But this Pasuk says, as it describes the death of Moshe Rabbeinu, the passing of the Baton to Yeshua, it says, there would never be a Navi in Yisrael like Moshe that Hashem knew face to face. That's the uniqueness of Moshe, Rabbeinu. And then how does the Torah end? For all the signs and the miracles that Hashem sent him to do in the land of Mitzrayim, the against Paro and his servants in his land, for all of the strong hand, for the great awesomeness, Asher Yisrael, that Moshe Rabbeinu did before the eyes of the Jewish people. So the last words of the Torah are not about the uniqueness of the prophecy of Moshe Rabbeinu, even though this is the end, really, of the prophecy of Moshe Rabbeinu. The last words are about the outstanding miracles that Moshe Rabbeinu pre- performed which, again, as far as we know, it's not even one of the fundamentals of faith that you have to believe that Moshe Rabbeinu performed the most outstanding miracles of anybody. It doesn't say that anywhere in the Rambam. But those are the last words of the Torah. Moshe Rabbeinu performed miracles like no other. The Yod HaChazokah, the strong hand. Where do you have the expression Yod HaChazokah in the Torah? Over and over again. Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. The strong hand is a term for Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, for the miracles performed in Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. So the Torah points out simultaneously here when it's describing Moshe Rabbeinu, not when Moshe Rabbeinu is under some form of mild attack as a Navi, as it was in the story of Mir Maron. There, all that it responds to is the uniqueness of Moshe's prophecy. You're questioning why he's different as a prophet? Let me tell you he's different as a prophet. Here, as you would have, so to speak, Moshe Rabbeinu's epitaph, right? the last words of the Torah about Moshe Rabbeinu and how there'll never be a person like that, it says... There's no Navi like him, and there's no performer of miracles like him. And so that's when, when we started last week to talk about how Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim and Matan Torah are two sides of the same coin connected in terms of the, the relationship with which they're creating between Kal Yisrael and, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu through action, through his word. So that now comes as Moshe Rabbeinu is going to be performing these signs, these miracles, which he's beginning to perform as he brings to bear the Yod HaZokah, the strong hand of Moshe Rabbeinu, which is really the strong hand of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as he brings it to bear against the Mitzrim, 
This is Moshe Rabbeinu emerging in this capacity. And the Yoar, the river. The beginning being the attack against the river. And let's try to understand it. Let's try to understand it and to explain it. And I, I would like to, 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 to use a very interesting phraseology, which is found in the Pirkei Drabaliezer, which I, I share it with you because it, it, uh, I, I happened upon it this week in a, in a completely different context. And it's a striking expression, and one which, Sarich Talmud, it requires exploration, and we'll, we'll try to do that in this context. This is Pirkei Drabaliezer. Pirkei Drabaliezer is a beautiful volume of Medrash, and this is the 22nd chapter of the Pirkei Drabaliezer. There are different editions of the Pirkei Drabaliezer. In the standard edition, it's the 22nd chapter. And it says as follows. From Kayin arose and were, in fact, Nisyachasu, were, were uh, uh, considered descendants of all of the Dairis, all of the generations, the Rishoyim, the wicked ones, Hapayshim, Vahamardim, the sinners, the rebels, Shamordu Vahamokim, that rebelled against Hashem. And it goes on to say that uh, from, it had previously said rather that from Shais, the virtuous son of Adam and Chava, the surviving virtuous son, all the tzaddikim came. From Cain, all the Rishoyim came. But listen to what it describes them as. The Mordim HaMokim when they said, We have no need for the drop of your reins. Nor to know your ways. We don't need your reign and we don't need your guidance. Shenemar, as it says, They said to God, Get away from us. That's the way they're described. The ones who said, We don't need not your raindrops and not nor to know your ways. What's the relationship between these two things? We speak about what comes from the heavens, what we get from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The image, the metaphor of the physical sustenance which comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu to the Jewish people, to people, but it's especially, we say, to the Jewish people because it's the property of Eretz Yisrael, are the Geshanim, the rains. Rain shows the linkage between heaven and earth shows the idea that the earth is sustained from the heavens. And it's to completely physical sustenance, the most basic stuff of life, water, without which life cannot exist. It comes from the Shamayim, it comes from the Rabbanu Shalom. The idea that we have to look for the heavens is to recognize that we turn to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for that sustenance. When we start the Avni Esrei every morning, after we have the bracha, which just sets the stage of the relationship between the Jewish people and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the particular relationship, Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Avram, 
Then we have a bracha, which is really the birchas hashevach, the bracha that praises Hashem, and speaks about Hashem's great power. It's not a particular bracha. Right? As personal as the first bracha is. Everything which is alluding to our specific personal relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, blessed are you Hashem, the shield of Avram. The second bracha is objective. It's about the power of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You are the mighty one forever. Everything which speaks about Hashem's ability to support those who would otherwise be falling, to heal the sick, to release those who are imprisoned, to bring life to those who have left this world, doesn't mention anything about us specifically. It's about the power of HaKadosh Baruch Hu within the world. And that is the introduction to prayer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, right? On the one hand, we speak about our relationship to Him, and on the second, we speak about the power which HaKadosh Baruch Hu has. And when you put those two together, so we turn to Hashem, and we hope for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to respond. But that strength of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the sustenance of life, in there, we put, and we've been saying it since Shmini Atzeres, and we'll be saying it until Pesach, Mashvaruach, Ruach, we mention HaKadosh Baruch Hu's power to bring the rains. It's the introduction, in a great sense, to prayer. The first prayer in history, right? We've learned many times, the first prayer in history was the prayer which Adam HaRishayim made for rain. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, when man comes along and he'll realize, then the Eid Yalem in Oretz Vishkas Kolpnei Adama, right? The whole description that it hadn't, Lehim to Hashem Aleichim, Hashem hadn't yet brought rain. Rain is the image of gift which comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu down to this earth. And it's the gift of life. It's the gift of life itself. The Meirad, the one who rebels against HaKadosh Baruch Hu, doesn't just rebel against his word. He rebels against his sustenance. I don't need you to give me life from above, and I don't need you to give me your guidance, your drachecha, your way of life from above. The two are shared together. The two are given over together. The two are described together. We don't need this and we don't need that. Moshe Rabbeinu has a, is there's one single person who his role was to bring life to the Jewish people and to bring drachav, to bring the ways of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to the Jewish people. Those two things come as a package. Right? One can see it very nicely in a posuk in Parshas Hazinu where Moshe Rabbeinu is about to give over the shira, the song of the Torah, and he says, Yarov kamotar likhitizal katalim rasi. May my words come to you. My lessons come to you like rain. May they drip towards you like tal, like dew. That's the, that's the way the, the, the Torah is given over. There's a source of life which comes from the heavens. It comes from the heavens materially. It comes from the heavens spiritually. Parai was here asked about the service of Hashem. Let my people go. There's a Jewish people who are waiting to go to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to know his ways. Ultimately, that expression of we're going to go for three days, you know, to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu, 
when Klal Yisrael would bring their korbanos in the Midbar, it would be that would be the avoda, the avoda, the korbanos that the Jewish people would bring, would, would, would bring that are just going to be described in Parshat Yisro, not the korban Pesach, which was in Mitzrayim. The service of God and the life which is provided to us by God. The arrogance of Parai the rejection of Pari, lo yadati as, as Hashem, I don't know Hashem, I don't recognize Hashem, and I'm not going to let the Jewish people go, is the arrogance of the person who doesn't want to serve because he does not need. Because he does not need. It is need that makes one hear. It is the understanding of utter dependence that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us both life itself, and the meaning of life, and the reason of life, and the purpose of life, the direction of life. You can't separate one from the other. Moshe Rabbeinu, the Yod HaChazaka, and Moshe Rabbeinu, the Lekombe Yisrael Kamaisha Eir, is one and the same. Mitzrayim is the land that says, Ein Anu Tzvichim Latipas Gishamecha. We don't need your raindrops. The land is built that way. It's built that you don't need the raindrops from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's a land which HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't have to concern himself with. The people are there. They're there on their own. The river is there. It provides them with what they need. And in that context, they stand over their God. V'nei oimeid al hayar. He stands over their God. The river as the source of life, the river doesn't give any hadracha. There's no element of ladases derachecha to know your ways. If all of life is presented in front of you and you have it there in front of you as is, the source of the physical, of the giving of life, there, the notion of serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu, of wanting to know his ways, of a service other than making sure that the, you know, that the water is running, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. The opening of Ladasis Durachecha is the, the need for Tipas Geshanecha. So by nature, by nature, when the Jewish people, I'm sorry, when the Mitzrim have their, the, these Eivdei Hechavim, they're there in relation to their God, they're Eimed Alayar, they stand over it. Because even though the river is the source of their life and the source of their sustenance, and they're dependent upon it, but it's just that. It's just water. It's just water. There is no element of meaning which comes along with this package of life. When Moshe Rabbeinu goes to send to Paro with the message to take the Jewish people out of Mitzrayim, there's meaning embedded in it. The Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is for the sake of being able to get the Torah of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. There's no granting of life without a content to that life, without the meaning of life. When Moshe Rabbeinu brings the pro- begins the process of the Yorah Chazokah, 
of showing the strong hand of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, of turning Mitzrayim in that way, upside down, he starts by destroying the Yohar. By taking away from Mitzrayim that which makes it a land that can have life without meaning. That's the beginning of the of the of the Maka. Of the Makhais. In a sense, it's not only the closing of the Torah, where we end the Torah this way, where we put these things together. You know, there's a, a tradition you always tie together the end of something to the beginning when you, when you complete it. And, you know, Chazal went to pains. Baruch created the heavens and the earth. The, the, the purpose of the world, of course, has to be present in the very, very creation of the world. The purpose of the world has to be present within the creation of the world. But in a great sense, it wasn't. In a great sense, it wasn't. Not that it wasn't intended. Of course it was intended. But the world then went on. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in a sense, had to be mavater. He had to choose to forego. We're careful when we use, when he say HaKadosh Baruch Hu is mavater. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu chose, he saw that the world couldn't continue to exist as it was when it just had, you know, if, if there would be an insistence on the fulfillment of the mitzvahs. Adam Arishan had one mitzvah, one small, small mitzvah, and, and didn't, wasn't, you know, wasn't able to fulfill it. The period of Moshe Rabbeinu coming with Makos Mitzrayim and with Matan Torah is, in a sense, therefore, a, a certain recreation of the world, where the Bishvil Yisrael and Bishvil Torah, which in the first section of the Torah is hidden within the word of Bereshis as a drasha, it is Moshe Rabbeinu's task and his role to bring out. I've shared with some of you before that a way to view Sefer Shmois is as a new Bereshus. What do you mean? It's, it's the second book of the Torah. The first, Torah. the first book of the Torah is a certain sense. We all know that that's the book that sets the patterns, the book of creation. But in, in certain ways, and we're not going to go into all the details of it, we, we, we made the case before that Sefer Shmois is to some degree saying, okay, well, now, in a certain sense, we start again. We know, for instance, that Chazal saw the Jewish people standing at Har Sinai like Adam Arishan standing in Gan Eden. At Har Sinai, we went back to immortality, like Adam Arishan before he sinned. So we sinned again. We, we, we brought and served, we created and served the golden calf, and that was like the tree of knowledge was for Adam Arisham, the golden calf was for the Jewish people. But we're going back to the beginning. 
and part of going back to the beginning are the Eser Makos. Chazal tell us that the Eser Makos, the ten plagues, were like a redo of the Asorim Amores. There were ten statements with which HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world. In those ten statements, he developed, he formed nature. And with the Eser Makos, with the ten plagues, Hashem didn't form nature, Moshe Rabbeinu didn't form nature, but what did he do? He demonstrated his preeminent mastery and control of nature. The overpowering mastery of nature, which was demonstrated in Eser Makos. There are those who, who will draw, Maral has a whole section of Gvoritz Hashem where he tries to draw a parallel between the ten statements of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in creation and the reaffirmation of them at the time of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. And we know this. Famously, every Friday night we say Kiddush and we speak about Shabbos being Zecher Lamasa Bereshis and Zecher L'Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. To remember creation and to remember when Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. And uh, we know in the first set of Luchos, Shabbos was to remember that Hashem created the world. And in the second one, is you'll remember that Hashem took you out of Mitzrayim. But the idea part of it is, yes, it proves Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim through the tremendous miracles which were done. We show the hand of a creator in the world and the powerful and present hand of a creator in the world. But on a stronger sense, what's happening here is here, the creation of the world is happening by definition, clearly with meaning. Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is for the sake of the Torah. There's not a world which is just created by itself and then just exists. Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is to make it clear that there's, we're going to let the Jewish people go so they can come and they can serve me. They can serve me. We're going to serve Hashem. When are we going to serve Him? They kept, kept asking, come, v'yavduni, v'yavduni. The first v'yavduni is, tavdun you'll serve me on this mountain. So you know, yes, the Jewish people ended up serving Hashem earlier when we brought the Karban Pesach, but the, the pinnacle of service was that place where we would go for derachecha, for the ways of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that He would teach us. So what's happening here is a recreation of the world with meaning, with explicit meaning. The parade that stands over the river. So he also has something upon which all of their lives are dependent. Without that water source, when that water source goes under, they have nothing. They have nothing. But all it is is a source of life. It's not a source of meaning. And when the source that you worship only provides you with life and doesn't provide you with meaning, then you're not really serving it. Then it's serving you. You're not really serving it. It is, it is serving you. The difference, Rabbi Meir Shapiro used to say, he spoke about this, this idea that the difference you know, between the the Kachavim, the idol worshiper, and the the Ivar Hashem is that the Ivar Kachavim, 
looks to see, I, I need things. I need things in this world. And that's the way I'm going to get them. But then that means that God works for you. You don't work for God. The Oved Hashem says, Rabbi Shalom, I need things for you, from you. So, because everything that I have, I'm going to use in order to be able to serve you. Their God ultimately stands on top of them. Our God stands on top of us. Where the source of life is the source of meaning, the source of purpose, the Avduni. That perhaps is part of what comes across here. In Maish Rabbeinu's opening salvo, in the first expression of the Yara Chazaka. If, as we know, what distinguishes Mitzrayim from Eretz Yisrael is the or is the river. And what Moshe Rabbeinu does as he first brings the Makos upon Mitzrayim is he destroys that river. He destroys that connection. He destroys that source of life. He destroys that posture relative to whatever is the power, the supposed power over you. That's the redraw that is happening over here. And it's mistaver, it's so logical that if it's in Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu whose role is to master the physical world for Geul of Kal Yisrael and to bring to it meaning, to bring to it meaning. Every day we say Kriyashma as part of accepting upon ourselves all mitzvahs, the yoke of mitzvahs, the yoke of our responsibility to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And it's all about rain. You listen to my mitzvahs, I'll give you the rain in season. You don't, it stops. That which comes from the heavens, the rain which comes from the heavens, tipas, yeshamecha, and dasas derachecha. There's a link between life and meaning that can't be broken. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu is, is here to, to, to do, to demonstrate. That's what the Makis of Mitzrayim are. It's a recreation of the world. Yes, it's true. If the first thing that man needed to pray for was rain, that was the stuff of life, that was what we had to look for. So when it came time to bring down Mitzrayim, a nation that didn't turn towards the heavens at all, and now we're here to somehow open up the heavens, link the heavens, recreate the world in the image of a connection to the heavens, it starts with the destruction of the Ar. It starts with this, with this, with this Makovdam. This is the this is the reset, which is meant to be happening here. This is. Uh, in a sense, therefore, the beginning of the new creation of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. It, uh, it's something, I think, for all of us to, to, to strive for, to understand that you know, when we look to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you know, we're sometimes driven and drawn to HaKadosh Baruch Hu because of our needs. And Needs and meaning are wedded to each other. The source of one is the source of the other. They must come to us together. 
that's Tairas Moshe. That's the Yerachazoka. That's the strong hand of Moshe. May we look to the Rabbanu Shalom, both for life and for meaning. May our turning towards him not just be the simple request, as the Zayra Kota says, of the one who says, please, give to me, give to me, give to me, but rather, I'm here to serve you. I'm here to do whatever, whatever it is that I can. I just want to close by sharing with you something I shared a couple of weeks ago with people. There's a beautiful Gemara in Maseches Brachas. The Gemara says that the tefillah of a person is heard only in a Beis HaKnesses. Doesn't mean only, 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 but it's, it's a special advantage for a tefillah to be heard in a Beis HaKnesses in a shul. Why? Because Shlema HaMelech said, Ishmaya El Harina Vel to hear the praise and the prayer. Says the Gemara, where there's Rina, where there's praise, where there's song, then there's tefillah. And in a Beis HaKnesses, in a shul, there's song. You know, you can't sing by yourself like you do in a shul. When people are come together, that's what Rashi explains, then there's Ni'imas Kol Arev, of many people praying together. So, Rav Kuk Zerchein explained that the idea behind this is because, you know, the whole notion that we turn towards HaKadosh Baruch Hu to ask for things is so that we'll recognize the place of HaKadosh Baruch Hu within the world. The main goal of everything is the praise, is to hold HaKadosh Baruch Hu up. It is in the place where Hashem's praise reverberates. A Beis HaKnesses is a place which is built to show there's a, there's a place for God in our lives. There's a place for God in our lives. It's not a place where one goes, you know, it's not an ATM machine. It, 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 it's a place where one goes which sets this tone of saying there's a God in our lives. And therefore, it is where that is the focus. It is B'mokhem Rina, where Hashem's praise will emerge, where we're going to see, we want to know Drochecha, we want to know your ways. That's where the tefillah is heard. We get life from where we give, from where we define, from where we clearly, clearly uh, express our, our desire to have meaning. May we always keep those two together. And be zeichebez Hashem to good lives, fine lives, and very meaningful ones.